Next, I'd like to introduce. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? That boy is good. Good and terrible. You hold your breath when Shaquille O'Neal comes careening into your lap. Well, he's going to give a little special greeting to Daniel Baldwin right here. Davis brothers should have a boxing match against the Baldwin brothers. Really? We'll take them out in the first round. Who would you take on? I'm Youngest, I'm medium, old? On all three of them, actually. Now that I really think, yeah, I wouldn't need any help. I think you two dudes are going to become real homies. Where do we find these guys? Oh, man, I hate those guys. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am Daniel Baldwin, live with Joshy Josh. Hello! Uh, listen, everybody out there, uh, give us a call in the studio line, 315-437-7644. 315-437-7644. Or the text line, 315-288-0644. You can also get us on Twitter. Tweet us up at, at ESPN Syracuse. Josh, what do you got for me today? Big show today, as we will obviously talk New York Yankees. Matt Michael, co-host of Yankees on Deck right here on ESPN Radio. He'll be calling in about 3.15 to cover Yankees. I want us to talk uh, Tiger Woods as he is on the mend and back. But first, I, I think we do need to get into Monday Night Football. You know, I heard something in, in the staff meeting earlier today yeah. uh, that you brought up. About the ratings of Monday Night Football. Ratings are down for Monday Night Football. I, I believe they're down the lowest they've been this season. I have the story here. Yeah, ratings have fallen to a season low. It's Titans-Colts. If you're going to put up a game, you got to put a better game than Titans-Colts. Well, you know, when they're doing the scheduling, I, I think they have to spread it out so that everybody gets a taste. And I'll explain why, from a network standpoint, the way I heard it. And that is, some teams, when they're playing on Monday Night, they know this is their Super Bowl. This is them, their opportunity to play in front of a national audience. So they do have to share the wealth in that respect. But you might want to put them up against somebody who you project to be a powerhouse. Perhaps the schedulers for, for television thought that these two teams were going to be a little more in the thick of it. I found uh, uh, an astounding uh, um, previous record against the, the, the uh, Colts had beaten them like 17 times or something mm. like that in a row. Uh, so, you know, I, I, the great Nostra Daniel went out on a limb taking the seven and a half, taking the wood. And uh, what I think happened here was I didn't watch the last two minutes of the game. So uh, You missed a little bit. I missed O. Henry for yeah. a 70-plus yarder for a touchdown that shattered me. So I'm not very happy about that. So I'm going to come out the box with some heavy action later on. Colts and uh, Titans lowest rated this season. And... Uh, 36-22, and if you go and you look at the box score, you're kind of like, where did those numbers come from? It was right at the end there with that huge run. Yeah, there was like 21 points scored in the game in the last nine minutes or mm-hmm. something, so there, there's half the game right there. Do you think that Monday Night Football still has an appeal? I mean, you look, you, you remember the, the theme songs and the big hubbub, and I mean, back when I was a younger man, we used to have the big Monday Night Football out at the bar, and you get the... 10 cent wing night and the beers and I don't even know if people are going to the bar for it anymore. I, I, I have a way to uh, to make it much more exciting. Mm. I, I think I found a way to make it. What if they don't know until the week before? What if they turn around Monday Night Football because they definitely have the capability in each city that has an NFL franchise to load up and get ready to do Monday Night Football in less than a week's notice. So <laughs> that's, what your, if we, that's your take. Th- is here, to say, here we go. Here's you, my take. You're you know up. What? 
the Raiders against Denver mm-hmm. in in Denver with you know with, with ramifications for the playoffs. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna go live here from Denver, and you only let the team know gotcha. that week they're going. That's there's, exciting. There's the their surprise. L- let them do some. You want to do a little American Idol thing? Let them call in. Let them call in, and and, and your vote costs fifty cents. <laughs> Listen, that's how they generate their money. You know what the greatest scams ever to happen in that is? I'll tell you this. Go story. ahead. It's a great story. Miss Cleo on the one nine hundred numbers is no, no. Do you know the Kardashian story? No. Oh, this is a great with story. With football? They did something with No, no, no. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm, I'm branching off into my expertise, which is entertainment. I, I love it. Okay. So, Rob Kardashian is in Dances with the Stars, mm-hmm. and there's some scandal going on with Khloe Kardashian and something else was happening or whatever. So, because you get to vote in, and that's like half of the voting power to decide who moves on, Rob has a stumble in the quarterfinals or, or in the semis. And it doesn't look like he's going to advance. His dancing was obviously not as good mm-hmm. as the other three parts. Yeah, he was like 320 pounds or something, okay, I think. So, so, so Kim turns around and says, you know, Chloe feels really bad. Because of Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom was at the uh, Bunny Ranch and the strip club and all that. You know what? I'm not quite sure about about that. I will quote Chris Rock on that. This is the first time that hookers and cocaine have saved a marriage. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Chris Rock. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It was a a classic quote. Mm -hmm. Um, But but, but what Kim did was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. She said, you know, Chloe needs to see your love or whatever, or however however she shaped the, the phrase. And then she gave out a phone call Chloe and leave your vote that you love Chloe, whatever. And she gave the vote number for Rob. So people were calling in to say with her, you know, millions of, of followers on Twitter, they were calling in to say, you know, yes, we we, we, we love you, Chloe, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. the number you dial in. It was the number to dial to vote for Rob on Dances with the Stars. And he suddenly catapulted like 500,000 yeah. more votes and ended up jumping the guy who danced better than him and going on to the final. So are you saying, Daniel Baldwin, that your idea with Monday Night Football is to have it up to a vote, up to an audience vote? Why not? Why not generate any some two more teams, income? Any two teams. Teams could go at it. That's it, man. Let's go. Now, now we should have some rules. We'll do this like the replay thing. We have to have some rules. You can't vote the same team two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, and you throw in. But yeah, spice it up. Let's see what America wants to see. Who does America want to watch in the Oh, game? my God. You could throw them all together. Do you think that there weren't games last Sunday that they didn't want to watch more than the one they watched on Monday night? Exactly. For sure they did. Let them vote. Those are the ones that are going to be watching the show. People are, uh, I think that there's an element of being tired out maybe on a Monday, you've gone to work, are you staying up late for the game? You said yourself that you you were asleep before the game ended. Me, I get up at 4 in the morning. It doesn't matter for me. But you were asleep before the game ended. Is it is the whole Monday night football thing unnecessary? Well, uh, you know, again, take a look at uh, you know just the economics of sports. Yeah. How does a team, I remember George Steinbrenner saying to me one time, I said, does it bother you that you're, uh, the amount of money you spend on your team is almost twice any other team on average in baseball. And he said, no. And I said, so winning is, is is that big of a thing to you? You just don't care what it costs. He goes, well, I do care what it costs. And, and he gave me a staggering statistic. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. I said, is it because the shipping business is making you that much money that it's just this is just side chump money for you? He said, no. No, it's, it's, it's quite a bit of money that I spend. He said, but there has never been a single season that the New York Yankees sale of my caps did not cover my entire expense. There it is. And I said, I beg your pardon? He said, yes, at $20 a cap, this was back in the early 90s, at $20 a cap, I sell, you know, some estimated 26 million hats a year or something. Yeah. And, and, and so sure enough, no, he didn't really care. So with that being said, there are markets when you're looking at, at an Indianapolis market. 
Even people with multiple teams in the state of New York, there are three NFL franchises. But if you put the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, even in a bad year, you're guaranteed to get a bigger audience than you are if you put the Indianapolis Colts in, with a playoff run going on. Just because there's just that many more people in New York that are interested in watching the Giants. So from an economic standpoint, doesn't it make sense that if a team doesn't get in, or if they do, they've got to play another team that's from a major city to carry the day, or the ratings are going to do what they did again last night. They're they're really tanking on Monday We're night. We're talking uh, Daniel Baldwin show here, uh, ESPN Radio Syracuse. Talking Monday night football. Um, do you still have passion to stay up and watch it? To answer the question I asked you, ESPN is paying $1.1 billion for the Monday night football package which works out to $65 million per game, about $20 million an hour, 10 times the normal cost of primetime programming. So there's a lot of money tied up in money. Yeah, but break that down. So, so if they're paying $65 million on average per game, they're paying $1.38 for the Colts last night, and they're paying $64.5 million to show the Giants. <laughs> exactly. The Giants so why not, why, why not just do what's right? Wait for the Colts to be playing you know, a San Francisco, an L.A., or Chicago, where you're guaranteed that at least one side of that audience is going to show up and be a number that covers that astronomical amount of money. Is the game too late? I don't want to sound like the old guy in the room, but is the game too late? No, I don't think so. I, I think that football fans are going to stay up and watch that game. Um, I fell asleep because uh, I actually have to tell the truth. I had one eye open and I saw Henry bust it. And when he busted it for the for the for the seven points late in the game, I knew that my advice as Nostra Daniel was no longer worthy, and I uh, I went, went to sleep. You went night night when Nostra Daniel no longer holds yeah, water. Yes, yes, it's time it's, to go to bed. It's very true. Ad revenue has hit three point five billion dollars despite the drop in ratings. So, besides the ad revenue, you can use the Monday Night Football to sell the caps, the jerseys, the uh, the, the the bibs, the, yeah, the I mean, placemats. I mean, if there was true parity in the league, then then the amount of money you were allowed to spend to to, uh, to have a franchise on, and, and and the amount of money that you were allowed to put out for all the subsidiary income things would be the same. And they're not. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks do not spend the same amount of money as the Los Angeles Lakers. Technically, they do, but they really don't. Off the uh, text line three one five four two eight eight zero six. Four four. Daniel, do you think that Monday night games are throwaway games? Meaning, if you put a game like a Giants or a Patriots on a Monday night, it's not going to get the numbers it would get on a Sunday. Uh, no, there's a variety of games, and remember, a lot of the coverage on Sunday is regional. There's coverage, you know, city to city too that breaks that up. So you're not always looking at a national audience. And also, there's an online presence now, and the access to information that people sometimes they aren't watching the game. I find it more compelling to know that the New York Yankees were on in a playoff run last night, and they were on against Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I didn't even peek at the Yankee game. I had to watch it afterwards. I got updates on how they were doing because I knew we were going to talk about them on the show today. That- that is an interesting angle too, Daniel. The 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 nonstop Twitter feed of sports now. Right. Do you need to sit and de- well, I, first of all, there's two different kind of prongs to this question. You got things like the red zone where you can just watch the highlights and you can kind of rock it through a game, or you can do what a lot of us do and just kind of leave Twitter open and glance down every time there's an update and carry on with something else. Do you think that's a danger to the ratings? You know, listen, there are those people who don't want to bother with four-player resolution. They want to go right to the orgasm. Absolutely. So there's, the, there's the red zone, baby. <laughs> boing, 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 boing. There it is. Let's yeah. call it what it is. And so the red zone, it, for, for many you know, high-speed junkies like myself, 
Um, that's that's the ticket right there. I, I just want to watch them in the red zone. I want to watch them score, and I want to get the I want to get the update. I don't need to hear Al Michaels talk about Harvey Weinstein, Gwyneth, <laughs> or, or any of the other things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just want to see. I want to see the game, and I want to know what the outcome is. Um, uh, so, so I would I will say that um, moreover than than just the Monday night situation, because of the breakup of television and and how. Um, how many stations, how many cable venues. I mean, now you, you look at my, I got my phone bill from uh, from the cable company and it was 200 and something dollars. Now I think my, I've, and I've got the pretty big package right. with the with double Wi-Fi. I've heard you have a pretty big package. It's very, very true. Moment. Hang on a second. Go ahead. Now, there, there it is. Oh, All right. Oh. Now we're open. So, um, yeah, when you, you know, when you play in Yankee Stadium, you got to swing a big bat. That's what I was told. <laughs> so, so, so. The the amount of, of of station and coverage that is available, and then you double that up with you can have HD, you can have this. So there's you know it's a one hundred and sixty dollar package. Plus my kids are the on demand kids. Yeah, they got to see the movie that's you know still in theaters. So there's there's a trade off. Do I let three kids watch the TV and pay for the on demand, which is eight bucks, or do I buy? Three $9 tickets. Well, actually, it saves me money to go ahead and shoot the cable bill up once a week on the weekend and let them have their movie night. But the reason why I bring this up is because my prediction is that within 10 years, if they don't diversify, I mean, widely, network television will no longer exist. Yeah. How can they support? When you look at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, it's a giant skyscraper in the middle of New York City. Can you imagine how much it costs to pay all those employees and all the things that they do to have 7 million people watch a TV show at 8.30 at night? I mean, it just it doesn't support itself anymore. Well, the so, number I just gave you, $1.1 billion yeah, for a yeah. Monday Night Football it, package. It, it's insane. So, you know, if they don't figure out a way to monetize or branch out into other things, maybe NBC will start building electric cars. I'm not sure, but they better, they better figure out something soon. Monday Night Football, this is off the text line. Of course, you can talk directly to Daniel on the phone if you like, 315-437-7644. That is 315-4ESPN44. And the text line, 288-0644. Monday Night Football made more sense before cable and football on Thursday and Sunday nights. I think that goes to what you were just saying. There's so many options now. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, and you know, now on your phone... You can plug it on satellite radio. You know, there's something to be said, too, about listening to the imagery. Radio is making a comeback, you mm-hmm. know, particularly in sports and so on. Um, it's making a comeback because you, you, you're you're bombarded with side information. Then you have to watch so many commercials. And, and, you know, what you actually get, you know, when you listen to somebody read you the story and tell it with their words is quite a different high than it is to watch it on TV. Not that the two of them aren't, aren't, you know, separately, um, an enjoyable experience, but, um, um, I, I kind of like listening to the games too. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm with you on that. Matt Park, not just because he was in here before us. I'm not kissing his ass, but I enjoy listening to him call the SU games. Yeah, he, rather than watch the SU. Games. And he's an exciting voice. Too. He's great. He, he colors things well, and yeah, I listen to him. Uh, the replays of him at the uh, SU game at Clemson. Yeah, it's, you listen to those. And it's, it's a passion. It is. It is. It is. You can see that he really is into it, and you can hear it. And when someone can, you know, draw you that picture, my daughter recently was asking me, she was reading a script. She asked me, can I read some scripts that you've done? And of course I said, well, hang on a second. I'm, there's probably not a lot of scripts I'd let my nine-year-old read of movies that I've done. <laughs> but, uh, but I found a couple of them. One particular was a Christian film that I did. And she was reading it, and she had no idea that in between the dialogue there'd be such, you know, in the, in the context, 
there'd be such descriptions. And he quietly turns and opens the door slowly as we hear it creaking. You know, and she looked at that and she, there's more of that than there is dialogue in every script. So, you know, she, she looked at that and it was, it was interesting watching her think about what she was reading versus having it jammed down her throat from every camera angle possible. Uh, it, it, it allows them to draw and paint the picture with words, which they have to then come up with what their image of it is. And I, and I think that there's something to be said about um, um, receiving information that way as opposed to optically. You can get at us on Twitter, ESPN Syracuse. After the break, we will talk with Matt Michael of Yankees on Deck. Yankees finally winning a game last night back home in the Bronx. We'll talk to Matt next. This is ESPN Radio. Daniel Baldwin shows live. Tune in every Monday as Hall of Famer Floyd Little talks SU football with Steve and Seth on Orange Nation. Brought to you by Drivers Village and William Matar. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is a special presentation. The Daniel Baldwin Show. Swung on and a line drive to left. It is high. It is far. He hit a line drive bullet to left, a three-run home run, a judging blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. He hits a three-run home run. The Yankees have blown it open. They have an 8-0 lead. You are listening to the Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get involved on the text line 288 0644. 288 0644. Call in for ESPN 44. That's 315-437-7644. As we do talk Yankees, back home last night in the Bronx against the Astros. Joining us on the phone, host of Yankees. On deck, at bat. I know I was one of those two. Matt Michael, how are you doing, Matt? Good. I'd like to think I'm at bat right now. At bat, <laughs> not on deck. You are on with the great Daniel Baldwin. Who, uh, how you doing, Daniel? Matt, what's going on, brother? Oh, quite a bit after last night. We're back in it. No doubt. After an 0-2 start, the Yankees go game three, eight to one. With um, as as I was asked by Josh when we were going into the series. Who would you put on the hill? I said, go with the veteran CC. Put him on, even yeah. though he wasn't he wasn't available, obviously in the rotation. But there's right. a great statistic that I that I looked up that I it was really staggering, and that is that Sabathia is nine and zero with a one point seven one ERA in ten starts following Yankee losses. Yeah, that, that's staggering. It is, and and to think that if this goes seven, that he would get the ball in game seven, and you'd feel good about it. You'd feel great about it. Like, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you would have said that the Yankees were to get to game seven of the ALCS and Sabathia would have the ball, you'd say, "Oh no." Well, you know, now you'd say, "Thank God that he has it." So what a what a turnaround! Yeah, amazing, amazing. So tell me, what do you think about tonight? Well, you know, it's another, really another must-win game. I mean, you've got Keiko and Verlander waiting. Um, be really difficult to beat both of them. Uh, if you win tonight, you only have to be one of them and then set up, you know, game seven. So this is, uh, and, and this is really a wild card because you got Sonny Gray. You don't know what you're going to get from him uh, for the Yankees. He's 
uh, was you know solid during the regular season, but not so much uh, in the playoffs, and he hasn't pitched now for two weeks or so. Um, and then Lance McCullers, who was great in the beginning of the year, then got hurt, and he's been really inconsistent and, and pretty bad. So, you know, this could be a 11-10 game, uh, you know, or if these guys somehow find it, you know, you're back to another close game. I mean, you know, it's really a, a up-in-the-air kind of game. Well, you know, there's so many interesting um, factors behind last night's game that will have a direct effect on tonight's. And one of them, I find, is that Girardi's not going to go too long with Gray, I don't think. He didn't have to go to the pen very deep last mm-hmm. night. So that was a great gift for him because if he does waver, I don't think he's going to stick with him too long. No, that's and that's true. That was really the best part. And as as the lead was building, actually, you know, texting with Seth and 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 others, you know, about that. Like, if they don't have to use, you know, Chapman, Green, uh, Robertson, then what a what a double win here. Um, the only bad thing, of course, is Batances maybe lost for the series, and they did have to use Kingley last night. But otherwise, you know, they're ready to go. I mean, so are the Astros because um, uh, they were able to get a good relief outing, uh, you know, last night. But um, but the Yankee bullpen is. Deep and better than the Astros, so uh, so that is a huge advantage for tonight. You're right; that was the you know the the byproduct of that win last night was that it set up tonight. No doubt, you know, and the you know, the the big question mark for me is not going to be Yankee pitching tonight, but has been since this series started. The Astro bats, I mean, the, mm. almost non-existent. What five runs in three games? Yeah, um, they're, they're really not hitting the ball well. Yeah, the Yankees have done a great job, um, you know, and, and generally, you know, people talk about Judge and Sanchez, and but look through the history of, you know, the postseason. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, when teams are focusing on the, these their top hitters, the other team's top hitters, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard to hit in the postseason against, you know, the best pitchers in, in the game and, and the pressure and the all that, the stakes being so high. So, uh, but, but. The Yanks have done a great job, and I think part of having Austin Romine uh, catch tonight is because he uh, he blocks uh, pitches better than uh, Al- or, uh, Gary Sanchez, um, of course, <laughs> and uh, Gray has that you know curveball that often uh, bounces, so it, it gives uh, gives the Yankees a little bit more of a chance to get the Astros to continue to uh, you know chase pitches and you know not. Uh, not get their best swings on the ball. Yeah, no doubt. And they don't want to give them that bonus extra base every yeah, morning yeah. You know, if they do get somebody on. You know, it's funny you should say because, uh, you know, talking about Yankee bats, um, how about Frazier? I mean, he treats <laughs> Morton like he used to date his sister. I mean, oh, you know, really? you know, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, he beats him up hard. You know, the, yeah. guy, the guy's got 18 before last night postseason bats against, or career bats rather, against him. And he had two home runs, a triple and two doubles in 18 at-bats. And he dings him in the second inning for three runs, which is pretty much curtains right then and there for the Astros. Yeah, and the, you know, I don't know. Just watching it, um, I thought right off the bat, I'm hoping that it dunks in in front of the right fielder and they get a run that way. I mean, I you know, I don't think anybody expected it to carry like it did. Although Frazier, as you're seeing the shot where he's running down, you know, first base and you could see him like, go, 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 you know. Uh, so he obviously knew he had it harder than it seemed. But, uh, yeah, what a huge – and, you know, this guy, uh, you know, this is a uh, lifetime dream for him, you know, to be um, in the in a postseason with the Yankees, be that close to home and, and all that. And he has definitely added a um, an element to that clubhouse – um, you know, the thumbs down thing, of course, is something we all see. But I think beyond that, you know, he has really been a, a nice fit uh, for the younger players. You know, they hadn't broken out. It's funny. I, I, I have a, 
a long relationship with a, a number of guys that um, have played professional baseball, mm-hmm. and one of which, and, and I had a conversation with Daryl Strawberry about, mm-hmm. you know, when a guy has, and Daryl said, there were times when he got up to bat against certain pitchers, he had their number, they, they, mm-hmm. and they were afraid of him. So, so they, they, they would try to, as we talk about, pitching around them a little bit. It's interesting to me, you know, that, that Frazier caught a, a low ball, you know, and still smacked mm-hmm. it out of the park. But you would think a guy like Morton in this situation would not give him anything really good. To hit. I'd rather give him a base on balls than give mm-hmm. up a three-run dinger. And, and that, that philosophy, which I think was in baseball more, you, you could give up a walk. A walk is never good, but you could give it up versus giving up an extra base hit with men on, in scoring series of going ahead and having to challenge people. You know, long gone are the days that Goose Gossage looks right down the pike and just says, here it comes, it's, it, it's <laughs> right. the express. And if you can hit it, hit it. Um, yeah. You know, more, I, I would have thought Morton was more careful. Yeah, you know, he might have been, you know, he might have tried and just couldn't, you know, couldn't get it where he wanted to. I mean, that's one. But I do think because of the, just the way the game's changed and evolved and the, the with all the strikeouts, particularly, you know, with the Yankees in this series, that it, it uh, you know, it empowers pitchers to challenge hitters more than maybe they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that did not work out, you know, no. for them last night. And it's funny that you mentioned about the, you know, I, I thought, you think about that a lot. And I think there was one case, and I want to say it was CC but not last night. It might have been the Indians game. But remember uh, El Duque uh, Hernandez with the Yankees. And he was one of those guys that would definitely walk guys because he knew he could get the next guy out. And yeah. I think of you know some postseason times where he would do that. And uh, that sort of is a lost art as well. <laughs> and it might have served Morton, back to your point, might have served Morton uh, well uh, last night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it was a terrible pitch. I just, you know, when you, when your team is not hitting well, and they're not, mm-hmm. You know, no. so yeah. and they're not any well, the Yankees also, but they broke out last night. It should be very interesting to see what they do tonight because I, I do believe because of the matchups and everyone seems to be playing, you know, playing it kind of safe right now, waiting for the inevitable, you know, games five, six, and seven. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I, I think the Yankees tie it up. I think they go two and two, and then we're on against two terrifyingly effective <laughs> Astro pitchers, which obviously we do. We need to win one of those games. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, Keiko is Keiko. Uh, he's been great. But Verlander left a lot out there. I mean, 124 pitches. He pitched in relief in the uh, division series. I'm hoping that by the fourth inning uh, that Verlander starts to just run out of gas and lose it. You know, that's that might be the best Yan- Yankees chance there uh, that, you know, they could to get to one of the two. I think that there's a better chance that they get the Verlander under those circumstances than Keiko. But either or, you know, would get them to game seven. And that's then the pressure is really on Houston, and that's kind of what the Yankees did to the Indians. Yeah, and and as an organization, too, how many times in the last 20 years have the Astros been perched in this and poised mm-hmm. in this position mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're to wrap up uh, an NLCS? So, you know, it should be interesting to see how these two pitchers pitch uh, in, in, when everything is on the line. You know, yeah. that, that's going to be quite different. That's a lot of pressure when you're on that hill because, as you, as you emphasized earlier, you know, one bad pitch in a tight game ends the game. Yeah. Just one bad yeah. pitch. Yep. So, you know, a lot of pressure. 
Yeah, you don't know, and that's what that's sort of the wild card. I mean, they're people. They're you know they've got emotions, and and the whole you know the the schedule is different. You know these games are starting at odd times. The length between innings is longer. The the time between pitches is longer because every pitch is so important. I mean, pitchers are sitting there in an inning where runs aren't scored. They're sitting there for twenty minutes. You know, so it's all those things that these guys have to adjust to. The more the more media, you know, you've been out on the field right during you know the postseason. It's crazy. It's just been you know so the uh, just. To to, uh, you know all those things, and it's who handles it best. And to be able to go out like CC and block all that out and just do your best is is a real uh, art form. I mean, that's you know it doesn't just those guys don't fall off trees. I'm going to hold you to it, man. Game seven when it comes <laughs> and CC's on the mound. All we're right. going to talk, talk before that game, big boy. Oh, all right. I uh, look forward to it. <laughs> Matt Great. Michael, host of Yankees on deck, on the phone with us. Uh, hey, before I let you go, the question yeah. all over social media, is Aaron Judge back or was it pointless? Those those home runs and those <laughs> two catches, is he back? Uh, I think he is back. I okay. think he's back. Um, you know, he's been so streaky, and the streaks start with a home run, so I'm going to say that, you know, <laughs> that he'll be back. I don't think he's going to hit three in the next, you know, two games or anything like that, but I think you'll see better at-bats and maybe a, you know, a hit here or there. Hey, listen, even Wapner and Judge Judy had a couple games off, you know what I mean? <laughs> it happens. Yes, they did. <laughs> Matt Michael, host of Yankees on deck right here on ESPN. Thank you so much, Matt. Sure, thank you, guys. We'll come back after these spots. It is the Daniel Baldwin Show, ESPN Radio, Syracuse. Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. Syracuse having a coach others are coveting is a good problem to have. This, in the big picture, gives Dino some leverage. Okay, what gutted the Pascaloni era, ultimately? He was unable to keep assistant coaches. What Wildhack needs to do, you need to get the dome renovated, put everything in place to keep him here. In the booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.5, was on Twitter, ESPN AM, ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM, and 1440 AM. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. ESPN Radio Syracuse, The Daniel Baldwin Show. Daniel Baldwin here, as always live and in the flesh. You can get involved for ESPN 44. That is 315-437-7644. If it's easier to text, do that. 315-288-0644. News coming out today. and Because I, I know you're a big golf guy, Daniel. Tiger Woods cleared by a doctor to resume all sexual, sorry, golf activities. Oh, a special edition. <laughs> he is, uh, the back fusion surgery has kept him from swinging a golf club until recently, been six months. He can get back into, I don't know, grinding, thrusting, whatever it is Tiger Woods does. He can get back to business, Daniel. Wow. And you're a, you're a golf guy. Is this a guy who's past his prime? Is this is Tiger Woods kind of he had his flash and now it's well st- well let's 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 make sure that we're we're calling a spade a spade here and that is um, Tiger Woods was way more than a flash you know, oh the, yeah the, you're com- right. the conversations that that took place which you know how ironic are they now um, you know this guy's going to shatter Jack Nicklaus's record this guy well now you can get an idea of just how amazing it was what Nicklaus did mm-hmm. you know I mean to win twenty one majors and so on and so forth so. Tiger, who is nowhere near that number and will obviously not win that number of majors, nor will probably anybody in my lifetime. 
Um, but there, there's a few things that come to mind when I think about him right now. Having somebody who has six steel plates and 12 metal screws in their neck, and I was a pretty successful, obviously nowhere near on a Tiger Woods level, but I played in the Celebrity Golf Tour uh, for over a decade. Uh, I had that number down to a mid-range single digit so I could play the game. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, here's the problem physiologically when it comes to Tiger. The pain that he felt that led up to the point where then he had to have surgery for it, he will feel very similar pain as he tests, even though he has been he has been fixed, the injury has been operated on. He's going to feel that kind of pain and that kind of stiffness as he starts to go after the ball more aggressively. That will send a subconscious message to him that he shouldn't swing that hard. It, it, it is unavoidable. It's like the player that has in football that has his knee operated on, and the first time he starts to feel any of that radiating pain in his knee, he goes right to, oh, my God, my knee's not right. And so there's a recall, a euphoric recall that takes place, especially with back or neck injuries. I believe that that's going to be difficult. The regiment that Tiger was on was very similar to the one I was on, which was pharmaceutical. Obviously, that has caused another series of problems in his life that he openly admits to now. And supposedly he's had the surgery and he's addressed those issues of sexual misconduct, drug use, uh, you know, illicit uh, drugs that he was using, um, AE prescription medication. So let's take a look at that now. What is he going to do when he can't go to a bottle of hydrocodone and his back is bothering him? He's going to have to do extensive other work, yoga, stretching, massage work, so on and so forth. So will he do those things to try to recapture at the twilight of his career, some of that luster again? I don't know. That will be a personal venture for him, but it will indeed require that. Now, um, will we see Tiger Woods pull a 1986 Jack Nicklaus in his 40s and win a major again? I think it's it's very possible if he dedicates himself to the game as he did when he was in his 20s and 30s that he could rise to the top and capture something major again. I don't think he's going to do it with any consistency. Where I think you'll see him if he rides the boat correctly um, is, uh, is a, a direct impact on the senior tour. Um, make no bones about it. That's a big tour. And at 50, he's somebody who, who could could kill them if he's if he comes out there because of how far and accurately he hits the ball. But it's going to require a lot of work for him, and I don't know whether he's willing to put in that kind of time again at this stage of his career, nor do I know what his pain threshold is. It's his third back surgery since 2015. He's 41 now. He's not played since February. And the whole issue came to because... Wasn't didn't he have an improper swing to begin with, or he was snapping at a, at a weird way or something? Yeah, I think what happens is you know when when you have a spinal injury and, and any kind of nerve and impediment in your back, um, your muscles immediately go into spasm and they tighten up and it restricts your your being fluid with your swing, which I think was was causing a bit of a herky jerky motion protecting his back. Now that he's pain free with that and he and he's had it surgically corrected again. Will he be able to – I was never able to play like I was in my 30s when I had sustained a dramatic neck injury. As a result of restricting my swing, I blew my back out playing golf. 
I actually hurt my back and had to have surgery on my back as a result of a single golf swing. Wow. Well, that's how, that's yeah. how bad I changed my swing. I have never hit a golf ball like I did in my 30s, and I can still hit it pretty far. Um, but, no, it has to change. Your body changes. You know, I'm 57. I play basketball down at the Y, and when I go home, I am reminded the next morning of why I should not play court basketball against 18-year-old kids at the Y. You know, I mean, I, I have pain in my body that I didn't even know those parts were there. You know, so I think Tiger's going to experience that first six months of, of pain and, and, and the pain psychologically, you know, of not playing that well, which he's gone through before. Now it's going to be whether he does those other things. I remember Alonzo Mourning telling me at, a, at a, a golf event I was playing with him, and he said, had I learned about yoga when I was in my 30s, I would have played until I was 45 years old in the NBA. Wow. He said, it has so changed my life. And my brother Billy swears by it. I myself cannot get myself uh, uh, to go down and do the yoga only because I'm staring at, at my wife because she always comes with me and, and just trying to get out of there and get her home in that outfit. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's a tricky situation to be in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will I'm tell chanting. you, I don't, have the, I don't have the ability to bend in some of those poses. But I've seen guys bigger than you and I who do it fluidly. They had no problem with yoga. Well, it, again, that's what, exactly what you said is my point for, for Tiger. It won't be something that happens in a week. And, mm. You know, when you're somebody that's, that's gotten to the level that he's gotten, you want it now. You want it yesterday. So will he have the patience to find whatever his niche is going to be as far as stretching and, 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 and getting himself back to where he needs to be so he can take that swing at the ball again? You know, I remember um, hitting the ball a few times now playing with John Daly. And John, for a guy his size... He could turn and bring that club back. There was a noise. I want you to try to imagine this as I paint this picture for you via voice. There was a, uh, ready? And then you'd hear, there was a sound before the club went through. And I couldn't imagine what it was. I'm on the practice tee and he was behind me. And I turned around and looked. Now imagine you take the club, the driver, as you pull it back from the ball, then you start to bring it around your neck and then coil your, your wrists, and the club head was touching his left thigh. Wow. That's how far he brought the club back. It actually went up around his head, and the club went and tapped his thigh, and then he'd whip it all the way through again. the crack, yeah. That's how far he brought the club back and cocked it before he went. Now, that's impressive for a guy to be able to turn that hard, that much of his body, who looks like, you know, Barney Rubble, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, after he's come back from fat camp. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, will Tiger ever be able to, to coil on the ball the way he used to? Because Tiger Woods, for a guy, he's not a very big guy, mm -hmm. and he could hit it a long way back in the day when he was playing effectively. I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't know if he's going to do the regiment necessary to find that swing again. Yeah, or if he needs to. He's got the money in the bank. All right, we'll come back, get ready to close things out. Daniel Baldwin Show, ESPN Radio Syracuse. Coming off an upset of Mighty Clemson. It does not get easier this Saturday for the Orange. They head to Miami to face the Hurricane. Pre-game at 1.30, kickoff at 3.30. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. ESPN Radio Syracuse, The Daniel Baldwin Show. Tweet anytime at ESPN Syracuse. If you missed any of this, you can get it on demand. ESPNSyracuse.com or in the ESPN app. Only a couple of minutes left, Daniel. So quickly, Boston Celtics travel to Cleveland tonight. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving playing for the first time in Cleveland against LeBron. There's been a lot of bad blood, a lot of discussions. 
Dwayne Wade, now traded to rejoin uh, Batman and Robin, are now in Cleveland again, as they were in Miami when they won titles. Uh, but, but there's an interesting thing to take into consideration about Kyrie's reception in Cleveland. It is not going to be a warm reception, and I'll tell you the reason why. Because unlike other guys who have delivered rings to different franchises in a variety of sports, Kyrie asked to leave Cleveland. Kyrie wanted out. He was very public about it. So the fans, they're going to see that as somebody who was a traitor. You know, he, he's definitely now um, not going to be someone who they're going to welcome back in their arms. And, oh, the great years of service. Well, this is going to be the first guy playing in an NBA game that's going to wear a hockey helmet when he walks out of the tunnel. <laughs> you know, they're going to be chucking batteries at him. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be mad. I, yeah. think that, I don't think it's a warm reception. And I also think that Cleveland's going to beat him up. They're, they're going to, this, even though it's a, an early in the season game, I think that LeBron wants to make it very, very clear what he left, who the sheriff in town was and still is. So look for LeBron to score 40-plus points tonight. He's going he's to go off. That game is at 8 o'clock tonight. Yankees play in the Bronx, 5.08 today. Just a little over an hour away. You can, of course, hear that on TK99 and TK105. Before we get out of here quickly, I have a chance for you to win some tickets. to This is really cool. 30 for 30, you know 30 for 30. Nature Boy Ric Flair has a 30 for 30 coming up, and we're going to preview it at the Red House Center Thursday, November 2nd. Caller 5, you are going to win the following, an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the legendary wrestler before it airs on TV. You'll see the movie, have a chance to win the complete 30 for 30 library, get a free mail, and stick around for a Q&A with Brent Axe, brought to you by United Auto Supply and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Caller 5 right now to ESPN. 315-437-7644. You are going to win. Daniel Baldwin, always a pleasure, sir. You know, at a very special... Why do they say a very special edition? I think I'm going to stick around for it's a while. It's kind of like an after-school special. It is. It is. It makes maybe. me feel a, a little Mr. Rogers-ish. It's kind of like this. Like we're, I think maybe we're the gateway drug. We're like the reefer madness. And be <laughs> <a neighbor. laughs> we got to go. ESPN Radio.